Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, it's Amy McNamara's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Slavia Prague, Thursday, April the eighth, twenty twenty-one. Kickoff eight p.m. The contents: the manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Rocky remembered. Match action. Arsenal versus Olympiacos. Arsenal history. Forward Arsenal. My story. Visitors, Slavia Prague. Community. Match action. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Academy. Arsenal women. And... Teams. Manager's Notes Mikel Arteta As I said after the match on Saturday, our performance against Liverpool was simply unacceptable. At this level, we just can't accept what we saw from the team and I apologise to all our fans for it. To not be at 100% for the game, for any game, is just not good enough for this club. For our fans and for everyone connected with the club who put in a lot of work, what we produced on Saturday was nowhere near what we want to do. So I apologise for that display and I'm still very, very disappointed about what we saw. When you don't do the basics right against a team like Liverpool, you don't have any chance to even compete in the game, which is exactly what happened. What makes it even harder to take is that we felt we had a real opportunity to get closer to the top teams on Saturday. That gives us a really bad gut feeling. It was a big shock to the system. We weren't expecting that performance, not given the way we have been training in the last few days and the way we've been playing recently. But I can put it down to the level that Liverpool played as well, which is really, really high. But ours was far below what is required. It was unacceptable. We cannot blame this big game we had coming up a few days later. We cannot use the fact that we are missing five or six important players. We cannot put in any excuses. We were playing against the actual winners of the competition and we were really bad. So Liverpool completely deserved to win the game and to be honest, probably by a bigger margin. They were much better than us in every single department and we were extremely poor. We have lost too many games this season but every defeat is different. Each one hurts differently. The image that we showed on Saturday and the lack of clarity in what we wanted to get out from the game, the standard was nowhere near what we want. I am fully responsible for that.
Now we have to bounce back. We have to talk on the pitch. To talk in front of the cameras is easy. To say we will do this or that, we have to put our heads down, take all the shots and the criticism because we deserve that and show a different face tonight. It's all about our actions now, not our words. There has to be a response on the pitch. The minimum that we can do now is to perform at a completely different level against Slavia Prague, and we will need to because Slavia Prague have shown many a time this season. And in the last few years, what a dangerous side they are! They have got a lot of good results in the competition already, beating Leicester City and Rangers in the knockout rounds. So this is another big test for us. The Europa League is a big priority for us. It has been all season. We go into any competition wanting to win, and our motivation is only bigger now we are in the quarterfinals. We have worked hard to get this far. We don't want to put that to waste now. It's also an opportunity for us to get back into Europe next season if we can win the competition. So we have got lots to aim for and lots to play for. It's down to us. We have to turn things around from the weekend, and a win tonight is a place to start. Thanks for your support. Captain's notes: Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. We have to put Saturday's disappointment behind us quickly because this is a huge game for us this evening. We did not perform anywhere near how we can on Saturday against Liverpool. We didn't deserve to get anything, and really, it's difficult to explain because we were confident going into it that we could really get a result against them. But we didn't create enough, didn't attack like we have been lately, and we couldn't cause them any problems. So when that happens, a team with the quality of Liverpool. Will find a way to make you pay, and that's what they did in the second half. But as I said, we have to learn from that and turn things around fast, because tonight's game in the Europa League is a big objective for us. There's no doubt how strong Slavia Prague are. They are really building a reputation in the last few years of a team that can go and beat anyone, and if they are in the last eight of the competition, then they must be a dangerous side. For sure, this is a really tough game. You expect that in the quarter-final of a cup, no matter who you are playing against. If you want to win the Europa League like we do, then you have to play and beat the best teams. In European football as well, we know that the game is never finished. Over two legs, there is always a lot of time for the game to change, for one side to come back, for everything to be different. You play for a 180 minutes, maybe more. And the game is never finished. That's what you have to remember when you play over two legs. It's a long time to be on the pitch against the same team, and you have to keep your focus for the whole time. Even if you win the first leg, you have to keep going at the same intensity from the start of the second one too. Otherwise, you will quickly get punished. Every minute is as important as the last one, and that's what you need to be ready for in knockout football. There are plenty of examples of games being turned round in the second leg already this season. You cannot lose your focus. For me personally, I don't really mind whether we are playing the first game at home or away. For one simple reason, we should try to win both games anyway. It's as simple as that, and if you can do that, it doesn't matter where you play the second game. The mentality needs to be that: win both games. And don't think too much about whether we are home or away. I know Slavia have been very strong this season in Europe and in their league too, 
so for sure we are going to be facing a team that is very high on confidence. It's up to us to make them feel like a losing team for once. As I said, we always expect big opposition at this stage, so we have to be at our best, play our football we want to play, and dominate the game against them, especially here at home. They have a very strong squad. I know there are some really good African players in the team as well that I know about, so we have no excuses. We will be ready for them, and we will give everything to get through to the next round. Let's be confident, play our game, and get the win. Finally, I want to use today's programme notes to mention the club's Stop Online Abuse campaign that we launched recently. This is definitely the right direction to change things. We have to keep going like this, keep putting this message over until we finally see some improvement in this area. There is a lot of work to do and we need to be patient, but this is the right direction and the players are all behind it. It's really important that in 2021 we have to change behaviours and this is the way to do it. It will take time, some months, some years, but hopefully it will get better and we know it can work. As players, we often talk together about what can be done. We are all on social media. We all see what is written and what's posted, so we talk about what the solutions can be. We talk with the club about it as well, so maybe in a few weeks you may hear something more on that and see it on the social media. But I can't say much more than that at the moment. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the game. Voice of Arsenal Martin's March Congratulations to Martin Odegaard, who was voted the club's Player of the Month for March. The on-loan Norway international claimed more than half the vote cast after a string of superlative performances. Odegaard scored his first goal for the club in our away victory against Olympiakos, lashing in a shot from 25 yards to give us a crucial lead. The creative midfielder then had an outstanding game in his first North London derby and scored the equaliser in a memorable win, sweeping in Kieran Turney's cutback. Odegaard was also pivotal in our memorable comeback against West Ham, driving the team on from 3-0 down to claim a point at the London Stadium. Martin claimed over half of the vote cast on Arsenal.com, 53.4% with Alex Lacazette in second and Tierney in third. Look out for the result of the Match Goal of the Month competition too, where Martin's Olympiakos screamer is sure to feature. Welcome back, Kenny. We're delighted to report that our former captain, Kenny Sampson, took to social media over the Easter weekend to say that he was on the way back to good health. Kenny had spent a significant amount of time in hospital recently and has suffered some well-documented troubles in his life over the last decade or so. As well as being one of the club's greatest ever players, who featured 394 times for us at left-back during the 1980s, Kenny is a long-standing friend of the programme who wrote for our former sister publication, the official monthly magazine, for many years. We wish Kenny great strength as he continues on his road to recovery. Thinking of you, Lukash, 
Everyone at Arsenal Football Club was deeply saddened to hear of the recent death of Lukas Torreira's mother. We are thinking of you and your family at this very difficult time, Lukas. All the best, David. Supporters may well have read that David Lewis underwent a small procedure on his right knee on Sunday morning. The procedure has been a success and David is now back at home rehabilitating and will be returning to daily support and recovery with our medical team at the training centre imminently. David is expected to be back to full fitness and available for selection in the upcoming weeks. RefWatch Today's referee is Andreas Agberg from Sweden. The 36-year-old from Malmö is an experienced ref who has officiated at Europa League, Champions League and World Cup qualification matches this season, as well as in Swedish domestic matches. He has been a regular official in European competition since season 2015-16, and this will be his second Arsenal assignment. He was the referee when the Gunners came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 with Standard Liège on December 12, 2019. Notice Board Ray Weeks is 50. We can't believe it. Happy birthday for April the 7th. Love Mum, Dad, Liz, Paul, Imogen and Rufus. Totalizer, £638. Arsenal Remembers Robert Sedgwick A tribute to the best dad in the world. A mad Arsenal fan and season ticket holder. You are missed every day. We love you lots. Love Maureen, Charlie, Kirsty, Darcy, Mum, Dad and Jason. Road to Poland. The draw for the semi-final of the Europa League has already taken place, so the winners of this tie can plot their route to the final, which will be played in Gdansk, Poland, on Wednesday, May the 26th. Whoever prevails between Arsenal and Slavia Prague will face either Villarreal or Dynamo Zagreb in the next round. Those two teams meet in Croatia tonight. Should we qualify, we will be at home for the second leg of the semi-final, played on April the 29th and May the 6th, and then be classed as the home side for the final, should we reach it. The other half of the draw sees Manchester United meet Granada in the quarter-finals, with the winners meeting either Roma or Ajax in the semi-final. A reminder that the away goals rule is in place for all two-legged ties in the competition this season. Arsenal ITK The lineup when we played our Europa League quarter-final first leg against Napoli at Emirates on April the 19th, 2019, was as follows. Czech, Socrates, Kozielny, Monreal, Kolasinac, Ramsey, Ozil, substituted by Mkhitaryan in the 67th minute, Torreira, substituted by Elneny in the 77th minute, Maitland-Niles, Lacazette, substituted by Iwobi in the 67th minute, and Aubameyang. Subs not used. Leno, Mustafi, Suarez, Genduzi. So just two players in the starting lineup are currently part of Mikel Arteta's squad and four from the squad of 18. Arsenal's very first foray into European football came in May 1907, when they travelled via Belgium, Holland and Germany to the then Czechoslovakia, where they took on Slavia on May the 12th and May the 16th 
winning the games 7-5 and 4-2 respectively in a couple of very entertaining fixtures. John Tim Coleman grabbed six goals across the two matches. Rocky remembered. Saturday's match was a very special occasion at Emirates Stadium. The club commemorated the 20th anniversary of the passing of David Rowcastle with a day dedicated to the memory of this very special footballer, father, husband and friend. His family were very closely involved in the numerous events, even guest editing the themed match day programme, which included the players wearing special training tops, giant displays in the stadium seats, a Rowcastle shirt hanging in the dressing room and the Rocky chant being played during the seventh minute of the match. The club also announced the Legacy Project in David's name, mentoring seven young individuals through Arsenal in the community. Europa League Round of 16 Second Leg 5.55pm Thursday, March 18th at the Emirates Stadium Arsenal 0, Olympiakos 1 First half. We had the better of a quiet first half, surrendering plenty of possession to Olympiakos, but carving out the better chances. Nicolas Pepe was unlucky to see his effort hit former gunner Socrates and roll inches wide of the near post, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang shot just over from inside the box. But there was little other action of note, as we seemed content to protect our two-goal lead from the first leg in Greece. Second half. The first goal would either leave us in cruise control or ratchet up the tension. It did the latter. Youssef El Arabi, who scored in the last minute of extra time to eliminate us in 2020, was on target again thanks to a sizeable deflection off Gabriel. The goal had been coming, in fairness. Costas Fortunis and Jose Holobas had gone close with a low shot and a header respectively, and El Arabi's strike capped an excellent spell for the visitors. The Greek league leaders still needed two more, but Mikel Arteta was quick to act, bringing on Martin Odegaard and Thomas Partey. It made a difference, with the in-form Odegaard immediately giving us more control, and he might have had a goal to add to his first-leg strike, but skied his shot from a great position. But once Osainu Bar was sent off on 81 minutes, the pressure was lifted and we secured our path to the quarter-finals. Checkmate. Historian John Sperling recalls four memorable fixtures against opponents from the Czech capital. Champions League Group Stage. October 23, 2007. Arsenal 7. Fabregas 5. 58. Hubacek 24. Own goal. Walcott 41. 55. Leb 51. Bentner 89. Slavia Prague. Nil. We wanted three points, but I don't think anyone predicted a performance like that, explained a delighted Arsene Wenger after watching the Gunners put Slavia to the sword and bag nine points out of nine at the start of their Champions League campaign. We began the game at a blistering pace, with Alexander Hleb cutting the ball back for the informed Cesc Fabregas to curl home exquisitely. Hleb's effort was deflected in to double the lead before Theo Walcott capitalised on a poor clearance 
by the Slavia keeper to slot home Arsenal's third before half-time. There was no let-up after half-time. Leb scurried into the Slavia box, kidded the goalkeeper that he was shooting right, and drilled the ball home low into the left-hand corner. And Walcott slalomed his way forward before toe-poking home to make it 5-0. From a team perspective, the sixth goal was the finest. Emmanuel Adebayor and Walcott interchanged passes before Fabregas collected the ball and fired home. There was just time for Thomas Rosiski to hit the woodwork and Nicholas Bentler to bundle home the ball for number seven. Tabloid headlines about Arsenal being in seventh heaven were a little predictable but entirely accurate. Champions League group stage, October 18th, 2005. Sparta Prague, nil. Arsenal, 2. Henri, 21 and 74. The Letna Stadium may have been half deserted and the main man didn't even start the match, but by the time 90 minutes were up, Arsenal striker Thierry Henry had netted his 186th Gunners goal, surpassing Ian Wright as the club's all-time leading goal-getter. After a lengthy injury, Henri was called into action 15 minutes in to replace Jose Antonio Reyes and the Frenchman, just six minutes later, fired Arsenal ahead. He collected a long clearance from Colo Toure on the edge of the Sparta area and curled home a superb shot with the outside of his right foot beyond the despairing dive of Jeromir Blazek. Henri had spent the previous six matches on the sidelines with a groin injury, but having equaled the record, he set his sights on smashing it after half-time. His moment arrived on 74 minutes. Henri collected a raking pass from Robert Pires, held off two defenders on the edge of the area and slotted the ball home to secure the win and his place in the Arsenal history books. Henri said afterwards, I always wanted to break the record at Highbury, but surpassing Wrighty's record is a wonderful feeling. The Gunners' Champion League campaign continued to gather pace in the weeks and months afterwards, with Arsenal reaching the final where they lost to Barcelona. Champions League Group Stage, October 25th, 2000. Arsenal 4, Parler 5, Lauren 7, Dixon 35, Kanu 52, Sparta Prague 2, Labent 41 penalty, Rosicky 90. The Gunners defeated a talented Sparta at Highbury in a highly entertaining match, one which gave Arsenal fans a glimpse of a future star, Thomas Rosicky. Arsene Wenger's side opened the scoring, with Ray Parler drilling home an excellent goal from 25 yards out. New signing Laurent then swept the ball home from a pinpoint Robert Pires cross. It was three when a Thierry Henry free kick was cleared but bundled into the neck by veteran fullback Lee Dixon from close range before the visitors took some hope into half-time after Vladimir Laban had converted a penalty following a foul by Arsenal keeper David Seaman. Arsenal changed into a yellow strip at the start of the second half after referee Hamer complained their dark blue change outfit clashed with Sparta's claret shirts, but the Gunners were soon to put daylight between themselves and the visitors. A quick silver burst from Henri set up a chance for Nigerian Kanu. Then, late on, Rosicky tore forward from just inside the Sparta half beat three Arsenal defenders and slipped his shot past Seaman to pull another goal back. 
The Highbury crowd was impressed with Rosicki's artistry and sportingly applauded his fine goal. Champions League qualifier, August 29, 2007. Arsenal 3, Rosicki 8, Fabregas 82, Eduardo 89. Sparta Prague 0. With Arsenal already two goals up from the away leg in Prague, courtesy of goals from Cesc Fabregas and Alexander Hleb, Arsene Wenger's side cruised past Sparta at Emirates Stadium on a warm summer evening. The Gunners got the show moving after just eight minutes, when former Sparta star Thomas Rosicki tapped home a Theo Walcott cross to give the home side the lead. Comfortable in their clear aggregate lead, Arsenal knocked the ball around beautifully for much of the evening, without ever really threatening the visitors' goal. That was until the 82nd minute, when striker Eduardo cut loose down the left, pulled the ball back for Fabregas, and the Spanish midfielder drilled home from 10 yards out. With time running out, and the Sparta defence looking more and more ragged, Brazilian midfielder Denilson sauntered down the right and crossed for new signing Eduardo, who stabbed the ball home from close range for his first Arsenal goal. It's a relief to navigate our way through the qualification round, explained Wenger, because one poor performance could mean that European competition is over for the season. Instead, his gunner's side had reached the Champions League group stage for the tenth season in a row. Forward Arsenal. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward. So we are asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. Number 9. Alexandre Lacazette. How far ahead do you plan your week? What does a typical week look like for you? Obviously everything depends on the training schedule. At the moment we are training every morning, so it's quite easy to arrange your week. And also at the moment, because of Covid, we don't have many options of things to do. Also we had to quarantine for five days after our last European game, so the plan was quite simple. Just stay home, watch football, watch Netflix. And that's it. Maybe you can do some work in the gym as well to keep the body perfect, things like that. But at the moment, there is nothing really to plan for. How about the longer term? Are you starting to think about international breaks or, or the end of the season? I have to say that since September, I haven't been able to go outside of London to see my family or my close friends. So yes, I'm really looking forward to seeing them when I can because I miss them. But it's 50-50 because, at the same time, we have a really important and exciting end of the season coming up. We still have a target to get up the league and, of course, the Europa League. So, at the moment, I'm thinking of both. But I know that if we end the season well, I will enjoy the summer much more. Looking forward even further, and the end of your playing days, have you thought about what you will do then? Coaching or media work, maybe? Media work, no. I won't be doing that. It's not for me. I don't find it easy to talk during a game or afterwards about what players have been doing. Maybe I would like to coach at an academy or be part of the coaching staff at a club. 
but not as a main coach because I think that's a really hard job. There is a lot of stress on that job and I think after my playing career I would like to enjoy football more without so much pressure on it that comes from everywhere. So that's why maybe I would like to do youth team coaching because that is much more about football itself towards coaching, learning and being able to teach young players. I would prefer to do that than be a first-team manager. Have you started your coaching qualifications? When I was a teenager, I had the first grade and second grade in France, which means I can coach kids up to about age 11, but not really a high qualification yet. Where do you think you will live when you retire? I don't know, because I really love London. I really love the city and the way people think in the city. But obviously as well, I love my home city of Lyon, where I come from and where I grew up. I have everything there, so I don't know yet to tell you the truth. What else do you want to do away from football? Nothing specific yet, but I know the first year after retiring, everyone wants to spend that time with their family and friends which they maybe couldn't do before. I know that after my time as a player finishes, I'd like to go back to a normal life. I have my roots in something more normal. But I must say that I don't really think about this. I don't have that many years in front of me in football, so I prefer to enjoy every day instead of thinking about what will happen later when it's over. What are you still hoping to be able to achieve in your playing career? I really want to win a European trophy with Arsenal. This is a big target for me. I really want to achieve this, and do it this season, because I'm sure we can do it. I've won trophies with Arsenal, but I'd like to win more, obviously, but right now the Europa League is the main target for me. Do you have an idea in your mind of where you would like your career to go over the next few years? No, because in football it can be really complicated to plan anything in advance. Anything can change from one day to the next, so it's even more complicated to plan in years. Especially now with coronavirus as well, because the economy affects all the clubs. So now I know that life is a bit different, and as I said, I just want to enjoy football and the game as long as I can. I'm blessed to be able to do that so I want to make the most of it. Are you generally a well-organised person off the pitch? It's funny because I know all the dates of birthdays and things, but I still manage to leave everything to the last minute. Even if I remember the dates, I get the gift last minute, but I try to be organised because I prefer that. Sometimes it's possible, but usually I still manage to end up being stressed. When you next get a day off, and if we are out of lockdown, how will you spend it? Well, that all depends on the weather, first of all. It also depends on my mood. Obviously, if we have won the day before, then that makes a big difference. If we win, then of course I'm happy. I like to go into the city, go shopping, do everything. If it's sunny and we win, then that's the perfect combination. But if we have lost, then I don't want to do anything. I stay at home, play PlayStation and try to take my mind off the football. Finally, if you were told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station, 
Would you want to go? No, I'm quite happy to stay at home. I don't want to go into space. It's not for me. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? I would have something made by my mum, something from Guadeloupe. Rice and chicken, maybe. I haven't seen her for a long time, so I would choose that. What would be your next new car? Maybe the new Ferrari. What would be your next holiday destination? I'd go to Hawaii or Bora Bora. What would be your next trophy you win? The Europa League, hopefully, but in a dream world, it would be the Premier League. What would be your next new teammate? This is a cheeky question, but if it's a dream world, then why can't it be Thierry Henry from his peak? My story. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped resources for autism maintain its services remotely during lockdown. Mum Claudia tells us how the charity has helped her son, Chase. Before we went to resources in autism, Chase was unable to socialise with other children as he didn't have the social skills and he struggled in group settings. The holidays were endless and Chase became bored and frustrated with no routine. Plus, he's an only child, so he spent his days with just me. I first approached resources for autism when I discovered Chase was unable to join their holiday scheme. He lived going there and being part of the right group. He began to experience lots of different activities and was put in an appropriate peer group, but with one-to-one support, which gave me peace of mind because he needed help with toileting and is completely non-verbal. They used visual prompts and timetables to support him and showed real care and consideration for his individual needs. I'd heard from various friends that the resources would offer a kind of socialising I craved for Chase because his difficulties had prevented us from experiencing any kind of social interaction. At the time, he was still struggling with appropriate social behaviour, which made it impossible for him to have play dates with mainstream children. The last few months have presented all sorts of restrictions on our children and their lack of understanding about the pandemic, which has been a constant challenge. Thankfully, Resources for Autism has continued to be an amazing support, despite the fact we haven't been able to visit them as usual. They delivered activity packs to the children at the start of the lockdown, and these were absolutely invaluable, not only to give our children activities, but to also help the parents. There was a pack that included lots of art goodies for younger children, while Chase got the pack designed for teens that included paint, canvas, cards, crosswords, colouring and a scrapbook from which he loved. There was even a pack for adult members which was also based around painting. I cannot begin to explain the lifeline of social interaction Resources for Autism has provided. Without them, my son would have no access to the kind of activities for social life that they provide. He loves the activities and he loves the days out and he will always leave happy and be content. We can't wait for these to happen again when they're allowed. Football clubs and footballers often get such bad press but the support they give children in the community is often overlooked. 
As a mother of a severely autistic non-verbal teenager, I can say that without them, the resources for autism, my life would be a million times more difficult. And Chase would have none of the amazing opportunities they provide for young people with disabilities. For more information, visit resourcesforautism.org.uk. Slavia Prague by Mike Hammond, formed 1892. Nickname: Seven the Red and Whites. Sesiviani, the Stitched. Stadium: Sinobo Stadium. Capacity: 20,232. Honors: Czech First League, 1995-96, 2007-8. 2008 stroke 9, 2016 stroke 17, 2018 stroke 19, 2019 stroke 20. Czech Cup, 1997, 1997-1999-2002-2018-2019. 1932-33, stroke 1933-34, stroke 1934-35, stroke 1936-37, stroke 1939-40, stroke 1940-41, stroke 1941-42, stroke 1942-43, stroke 1946-stroke 47. Owner, Sinobo Group, CITIC Group. President Yaroslav Tvrdik. Social followers Twitter 45,000. Instagram 143,000. Facebook 138,000. Champions of the Czech Republic three times in the last four seasons and firmly on course to make it four out of five this term. Slavia Prague are also making quite a name for themselves in continental competition. Having participated in the 2019-20 UEFA Champions League group stage, the team from the Czech capital have worked their way impressively through to the UEFA Europa League quarter-finals for the second time in three seasons, eliminating two informed British teams, Leicester City and Rangers en route. With current West Ham stars Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Kufal in their ranks, Slavia finished bottom of a tough Champions League group that included Barcelona, Inter Milan and Borussia Dortmund last term. But draws at the San Siro and Nou Camp demonstrated their ability to perform in the highest company, a quality much in evidence the season before when they sensationally knocked Sevilla out of the Europa League at the last 16 stage before losing in the quarter-finals to eventual winners Chelsea, who beat them 1-0 in Prague and 4-3 at home. This season, Slavia looked like they were returning to the Champions League when they led on away goals deep into the second leg of their playoff tie with FC Midtjylland. But an extremely harsh penalty call turned the tide in the Danish side's favour in Copenhagen, and the hosts went on to win 4-1 and demote Slavia into the Europa League, where they lost their first and last fixtures, 3-1 at Hapol Beersheba, and 4-0 at Bayer Leverkusen. 
but won all four games in between to reach the round of 32. There they overcame Leicester, winning 2-0 at the King Power Stadium, the club's first victory in England at the sixth attempt, after a goalless first leg, before knocking out newly crowned Scottish champions Rangers in similar style, 1-1 in Prague, 2-0 in Glasgow. In addition to their European exploits, Jindrik Kriploff's side have been tearing it up at home. Czech champions and cup winners twice since he joined in December 2017, Slavia went into the recent international break undefeated in their domestic league and their huge lead at the top of the table looks to be unassailable, with the likes of city rivals Sparta Prague and provincial challengers Victoria Plzen a long way adrift. Slavia are also through to the quarter-finals of the Czech Cup, away to Sigma Olomuc. But while Slavia continue to chase a 20th league title and 6th domestic cup triumph, it is the prospect of reaching the club's first European semi-final since the 1995-96 UEFA Cup that will consume them as they take the field this evening at Emirates Stadium, a venue that holds less than fond memories for the club's supporters as it was here that Slavia suffered their heaviest European defeat, going down 7-0 to the Gunners in the group stage of the 2007-8 Champions League. Times have changed since then, however, and, as they have proved recently, Slavia Prague are now a European force to be reckoned with. What's in a name? Slavia Prague's number two goalkeeper, Jan Stetsal, has a name familiar to many English supporters but the 24-year-old is no relation to the Jan Stetsal, who played in goal for QPR against the Gunners in the early 1990s. The older Stetsal also played for Slavia Prague. Another QPR link. Another Czech former QPR goalkeeper, Radak Czerny, is Slavia's goalkeeping coach. He played against the Gunners for QPR in 2011 and prior to that during his time at Tottenham. Striking Partnership Slavia striker Peter Oleinka married Yetunda Barnabas last month, forming something of a Posh and Bex partnership. Yetunda is a well-known actress and model in Nigeria. Wondrous Walcott When Theo Walcott scored after 41 minutes of Arsenal's game against Slavia Prague on October 23, 2007, he became the youngest Englishman to score a Champions League goal, eclipsing Wayne Rooney. He was 18 years, 7 months and 7 days. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Of the remaining Europa quarter-finalists, Slavia Prague might not be considered one of the favourites to win the competition, but their recent European record suggests they are fully capable of causing a surprise. Two seasons ago, they won a point against both Barcelona and Inter in the Champions League, before dropping down to the Europa League where they defeated regular winners Sevilla, then came close to eliminating eventual winners Chelsea. In this season's Europa League, Slavia have eliminated Leicester and Rangers, who are both enjoying fine domestic campaigns. Manager Jindrich Tripozovsky has often been compared to Jurgen Klopp, perhaps because of his baseball cap and animated style in the technical area. But Tripozovsky has cited the importance of total football on his way of thinking. Slavia play aggressive pressing football, regaining the ball in advanced positions and breaking quickly. Tripisovsky's system 
has looked like 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 at various stages in the Europa League run, but the change in formation doesn't prompt much of a change in style. The centre-back pairing is usually Obdrej Kudela and David Zima, aged 34 and 20 respectively. Almost inevitably, the former is useful in the air and in a positional sense, whereas Zima is more effective at covering space in behind. Both fullbacks push forward very effectively. Right back Alexander Barr, a January arrival, is an extremely energetic player with and without possession, overlapping quickly and storming into tackles. He's also good in the air. Left-sided Jan Broral is a steadier presence, but offers fine crossing ability as he demonstrated when assisting the opener in Slavia's 2-0 win over Rangers. In midfield, Slavia have coped impressively without their excellent midfield orchestrator, Petr Sevcik, sidelined with a long-term knee injury. Thomas Halls has generally played the deep role during the knockout stage, with Jakob Romada an alternative option. Slavia often attack with two attacking midfielders pushing forward to join the front three. Lukas Provod tends to start deep from where he can play good diagonal passes out to the flanks, before storming forward into the box to apply finishes from close range as he did against Leicester. Nikolai Stanju, meanwhile, will play the number 10 role in the 4-2-3-1 or a left centre midfield role in a 4-3-3 and is a box of tricks that must be watched carefully. He cut infield from an inside left position to score a brilliant curler against Rangers, then nearly produced a carbon copy of that goal shortly afterwards. Peter Olienka starts on the left, but wears number nine and often ends up in centre-forward positions, allowing full-back Borrell to command the left flank on his own. Olienka headed home Borrell's cross in the 2-0 win over Rangers. Abdallah Sima, arguably the side's real star, has generally started on the right flank where he offers a dribbling threat out wide and can use his speed to go in behind two. He has, on occasion, been used up front, although Jan Kucha, more of a penalty box striker, has generally led the line. Community Employability Programme Employment pathways have been one of the areas highly impacted as a result of COVID-19's lockdown restrictions. With unemployment figures rising, the support network in helping young people into work is needed now more than ever. Arsenal and the community deliver a number of programmes to support young people into work. The aim of the programmes is to deliver pre-employment support providing opportunities for young people to return to education or employment. In recent years, Arsenal and the community have supported over 500 individuals into education or employment opportunities who have progressed onto a wide range of industry sectors, including catering and hospitality, retail, construction, sport and finance. Despite the challenges during the lockdown period, Support has continued to be offered to individuals looking for work remotely, offering information, advice and guidance around CV writing, interview skills, online courses, as well as support in identifying opportunities available. 
Arsenal in the community have had a long-standing relationship with Capital City College Group and we currently work together to deliver a European Social Fund programme to support young people into work. Participants on the programme attend weekly sessions receiving support around personal development and opportunities to progress. During a recent session, participants were joined by our first team goalkeeper, Matt Ryan. Matt joined the session and provided valuable advice to the participants, stating the importance of working hard and never give up on your dreams, which was well received by the participants. The opportunity to meet Matt was incredibly inspiring for the young people. One participant remarked, I have always been an Arsenal fan and to meet one of the players was brilliant. Arsenal in the community would like to thank all the organisations we work with to deliver these programmes, including Islington Council, Capital City College Group, Department for Work and Pensions, and all employers who offer opportunities to the individuals on the programme. If you would like to find out more about the programme, please contact Jack Ferguson by email jferguson at arsenal.co.uk. Photo of the week in the print version outside the Little Wonder Cafe. Arsenal in the community's Twitter account at AFC Community highlights some of this month's community work. Thank you at Cadbury UK for supporting our local community and donating 500 meals for our staff and participants to enjoy at Little Wonder Cafe. Premier League Match Day 30, 8pm, Saturday, April the 3rd, at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 0, Liverpool 3. First half. It was a scrappy opening 15 minutes from both sides before Liverpool slowly began to force us deeper into our own territory. In fact, we were struggling to get out of our own half at times and the visitors really should have taken the lead when Trent Alexander-Arnold cut the ball back to the unmarked James Milner but his first-time effort was off target. The first half stats did not look pretty for us. We managed just one shot compared to Liverpool's six while the visitors enjoyed twice as much possession as us in the opening 45 minutes. To make matters worse, we lost Kieran Tierney to injury just before the break. Second half. Tierney's replacement, Cedric, had our first effort on target for the match, forcing a diving save from Alisson after being set up by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But the general flow of play remained towards our goal and Liverpool eventually took the lead through substitute Diogo Jota. His powerful header was too hot for Bernd Leno to handle after meeting Trent Alexander-Arnold's cross. Five minutes later, Mohamed Salah doubled the lead when he threaded the ball through Leno's legs at the near post. We were architects of our own downfall for the third goal. Gabriel gave the ball away when playing out from the back. Liverpool worked it back into our box for Jota to gratefully tuck home his second. Developing strong young gunners. In this issue... Young Gun, Henry Jeffcott, Match Reports, A Win and a Draw, News, Tyrese is Almost Back, Remember, Vlad Dragomir, and Stats, Results and Fixtures. Young Gun, Henry Jeffcott, Talking to Aidan Small, Born, London, 
November 15th, 2003. Height and weight, 6 foot 1, 77 kilos. Position, left back. Boots, Adidas Copper. School, St John's, signed for Arsenal, under 12s. Football has been in my life for as long as I can remember. My dad actually told me that as soon as I started walking, I instantly started learning how to kick. And before I knew it, I was kicking a ball against the wall until my toes were basically bleeding. I was instantly obsessed with football and I hadn't changed one bit since then. If anything, it's got worse. And it all comes from my dad, really. He's a massive West Ham fan and wasted no time in introducing me to football. We'd just go out in the garden for a kickabout when I was still only a toddler. Then, when I got a little older, I was down my local park almost every single day with my mates. I joined my first ever team when I was five years old. They were called Oxshot Royals, my local Sunday side. But it didn't last very long because I was scouted by Chelsea and went into their academy at six. That was pretty crazy. They had a scout come down to watch me play and from memory... I didn't have the best of games, but they liked me. They approached my dad straight after the game, and I was playing as a central midfielder at the time, and I stayed in that position for a good five years or so, until I turned 11 or 12. Growing up, I was a big Man United fan, and I absolutely adored Wayne Rooney. I just loved everything about his style on the pitch. Not only was he technically amazing, but he was passionate, aggressive, and explosive too. And I never forgot the goal he scored against Newcastle, when he was arguing with the referee, walked away and then smashed a volley into the top corner out of anger. I'd always loved the side of the game and any players who showed passion in the field because it's something I've always done too. It's a side of the game I can enjoy and it comes naturally to me. Even at school, I would get so competitive over the smallest of things. So when I'm playing for my team, I'm just desperate to be on the winning side. Anyway, after six enjoyable years at Chelsea... I suddenly found myself at a difficult place. I was released when I was 12 and at the time I felt like my world had collapsed. But looking back now, it's probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. One week after being released by Chelsea, I went on trial with Arsenal. And two weeks later, I was offered a two-year deal. I was buzzing because academy football was all I'd ever known. And I remember going into school a few weeks earlier and having to tell my mates that I'd been released. And that was really hard. But I think experiences like that helped me build character and personality. And I'm probably a better player now because of it. A lot of players who were in the team when I joined are still here today. But I remember seeing Charlie Patino in the first few training sessions and thinking, wow, he's got serious talent. I remember reading about him before I even joined and he certainly didn't disappear. I love playing with him and he's got really something special about him. As for my style of play, I've been playing as a left back in the under-18s this season, and I take my individual battles very seriously. I tell myself that I have come out of top definitely as priority for me, but recently I've really enjoyed attacking too. So my numbers in games can be quite high because I'm just running back and forth to cover both boxes. I just want to do everything I can to help the team in all phases of play, whether it's tucking in and supporting our centre-backs because we're under pressure, or bombing forward and pumping crosses into the box. I've been trying to add my goals to the game too, so I was happy to score against Reading the other week, especially with that half volley from 25 yards, 
I think that's a midfielder in me coming out and I hope that it's going to kickstart some goal scoring form and boost my confidence in a final third. Since moving to Colney, I feel that I've improved a lot and as a player I've adapted certain access in my game. I've also feel like I've improved as a person and mentally too. Moving out has also made me more mature. It's handed me more responsibilities and I feel like my development is in my own hands right now. It's been brilliant working under Ken and Greg this season. They've helped me with so many small details and it's difficult to point out and notice at first glance. But they really made a difference. They've been amazing to me and taking on every last bit of advice that they've given. As for my targets between now and the end of the season, collectively I want to see us going unbeaten through our remaining fixtures in the league and FA Youth Cup. But on a more personal level, I want to boost my numbers in the final third. A few assists and another goal would be nice. I really want to add that to my game. Henry Jeffcott, lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Winning top goal scorer in an under five school tournament. Got me into playing. My dad. Favourite Arsenal shirt. My first Arsenal shirt at the end of my first season. Favourite pair of old boots. Adidas Presidors, Champions League. Best friend at school. James Sweet. Best goal of all time, Rooney's overhead kick v Man City. Best goal I've scored, my half-volley strike versus Reading. Best player I've faced, Samuel Ling Jr. of Juventus. Best performance I've had, Man City. Best moment of my career, signing my scholar for Arsenal. Stadium I'd like to score in, Emirates Stadium. A player to score one-to-one with, Lionel Messi. If you could completely change position, I'd play centre midfield. Best training ground tip I've ever been given, train like it's a match. Memorabilia, I'd like to keep my boots that mean something to me. Another sport you're good at, cross-country running. My first player to look up to, Kieran Tierney. Favourite training drill, intense crossing drills. Ambitions for this season away from the pitch, to get my A-levels. The important non-playing attributes of young footballers are discipline, respect and humanity. Biggest lesson you've learnt off the pitch at Arsenal? You move more, you move more, you get more out of it. If you wasn't a footballer, I'd like to be a pundit. Something not many people know about you. I'm half Irish. Match report. Reading 3, Arsenal 4. The Under-18s Premier League, Saturday, March 27th, Bearwood Park. Our Under-18s return to winning ways with a dramatic 4-3 victory over Reading. Omari Hutchinson delivered an outstanding individual performance, scoring twice whilst four schoolboys made their debuts. Raul Waters and Josh Robinson started in defence, with Bradley Ibrahim in midfield. Omari Kota Dubri featured on the bench. We made a sloppy start against the Royals, Though, as Taylor Ferran mismatched his clearance upfield, handed over possession straight from kickoff before inadvertently deflecting the ball in his own net. Harvey Maunder then went on to double the host's advantage just after five minutes, finishing at the near post after another surging counter-attack. Shortly after, Hutchinson reduced the deficit with a moment of magic, breaking free down the right wing before cutting back inside and firing into the far corner. By this stage, we were dominating play and with our wingers seeing plenty of balls, Joe Elisa stepped up to score his second of the season. 
The 17-year-old was picked out in the space over the left flank and stormed into the penalty area before cutting onto his favoured right foot, curling into the bottom corner. There would be late drama at the end of the first half, though, as Reading restored their lead against the run of play with a header from Michael Strickland. But despite heading into this fixture without a win in four, we came out confident in the second half and equalised on the hour mark in some style. Walters switched to play from right to left and Henry Jeffcott fired a stunning half volley into the top corner for his first goal at this level. Hutchinson had been all lively all afternoon and late on produced another of his trademark runs, skipping past his marker and racing into the box before inviting a foul from Jay Senger. Hutchinson stepped up to make no mistake in converting the penalty spot, sealing three valuable points for Ken Gillard's side. Match report. Everton 1, Arsenal 1, Premier League 2, Sunday, March 21st, Stockport FC. Flarion Balogun returned to the score sheet as our under-23s secured a hard-fight 1-1 draw with Everton on the road. With a number of key players tied up in FA Cup youth action, Daniel, Tallulah and George all returned from the start in 11, whilst Jack Francis made his Premier League date. We came into this fixture with a win of seven league outings, but we started strong with Trey Coy charging the Toffees' defence and curling just wide of the post. Florin Balogun then saw his powerful effort saved in Henry Terra, but his first chance of the afternoon. Everton took the lead through Nathan Broadhead. Matthew Mellon whipped the ball into the area from the right wing and Broadhead was on hand to provide a finishing touch. We were lucky to find ourselves trailing at the break, but that didn't dent our confidence for the second 45, as Balogun tested Talena with another powerful strike before Coyle's claims for penalty were dismissed by the referee. We continued to push on the search of the equaliser though, and with just minutes remaining, Balogun picked up the ball on the halfway line, bore down onto the goal before finishing with style in the bottom corner from 20 yards. It was no less than we deserved for our efforts, but the hosts would go on to create one last chance racing forward on the break and deep into stoppage time. Tula Bola made a tactical foul 30 yards from the goal and Tyler reached in frustration, picking up his second yellow card of the afternoon. Academy News. FA Youth Cup, opponent confirmed. We have just received confirmation that our under-18s will face West Ham United in the last 16 of the FA Youth Cup. Ken Gillard's side have been drawn away with a taking place on Friday, April the 16th and kick-off will be 7pm UK time. The game will be played at Rush Green Training Ground. Stay close to Arsenal.com and at Arsenal Academy on Twitter to find out more. John Jules edges closer to return. Reese John Jules has set up the return for Doncaster Rovers for the remainder of the 2020-21 season. The 20-year-old joined them on loan back in September but suffered a hamstring injury in January and has been out of action ever since. He returned to North London to complete his recovery and he is now edging closer to return. Tyrese should be back with us on April the 12th and then we'll take it from there, said manager Andy Butler. Using Arsenal's guidance, we manage him, but he'll be like a new player for us and a key player as well. Hopefully he can do the job for us. He's a big player for us and a quality he has has got exceptional for his age. We are hoping for six or seven games out of him and that's a run that we'll be hoping to get 
when he is back with us. Joe stuns Spurs. We're sure most fans would have smiled when they saw Arsenal loanee Joe Willock grab the late equaliser for Newcastle against Tottenham on Sunday. Our academy graduate has also enjoyed old foe Tafa Tanagar being in the Spurs lineup. The pair in the same academy year and played many North London derbies against each other. It was a great Easter for the Willock family as older brother Chris, formerly of Arsenal Academy, scored for QPR over a 3-0 win in Coventry on Good Friday. Academy Alumni catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Today is Vlad Dragomir. Romanian former Academy midfielder Vlad Dragomir was on the move in Italy at the end of January and it was an elevation from Serie C to Serie B. Having spent two and a half years with Pergia, where he made a total of 76 appearances, scoring three times, Vlad was transferred to Virtus Entia, who are based in Girona, who are one of Italy's upwardly mobile young teams. Only having reached the heights of Serie B as recently as 2014, the 21-year-old has played 11 times, including starting their first five matches as he cements a place in the team. At Arsenal, the cultured attacking midfielder was a regular for the under-18s and then the under-23s, playing 33 games for the latter, scoring six goals during his three years in London. After joining us in July 2015, the Romanian under-21 international will be hoping that excelling in Italy's second tier can earn him a place in the senior side. Good luck in the future, Valad. Arsenal Women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Women's Super League. Sunday, April 4th, Twerton Park. Bristol City 0, Arsenal 4. Midema, 4, 65. Van der Donk. 45. Mead, 63. Arsenal. Williams. Maritz. Patton, 61st minute. Wuben Moy. Walty. Williamson, 46th minute. Meyer. Little. Van der Donk. Goot, 61st minute. Rord. McCabe, 69th minute. Nobbs. Midema. Ford. Mead, 46th minute. Subs not used. Goldie. Zinsberger. Viviane Midema scored twice as we secured a convincing 4-0 victory over Bristol City on Sunday and returned to the top three of the Women's Super League table. Lydia Williams returned in goal to replace Manuela Zinsberg, while Leonie Meyer filled in at left-back with her first league start since December 2020. Heading into this fixture on the back of four consecutive victories without conceding, we were full of confidence and opened the scoring after just four minutes through Viviane Midema. The Netherlands international combined with Jill Ruud on the edge of the box and fired into the bottom right corner, finishing a well-worked team move. Midema then went on to rattle the woodwork with a looping header, before teeing up Daniela van der Donk to double our advantage from close range on the stroke of half-time. We pushed on in the second half too, with substitute Beth Mead making a major impact. The England international smashed an effort from outside the box against the city post, with keeper Sophie Bagley well beaten. 
before she pounced on a loose ball inside the area to grab her goal on 63 minutes. And then two minutes later, Midema converted her second of the afternoon by following up Jordan Nobbs's saved effort, a move created by a surging box-to-box run from central defender Leah Williamson. Our number 11 has now scored 15 and assisted four in just six appearances against the Robins. Congratulations, Leicester. Arsenal will face Leicester City next season in the Women's Super League, following the Foxes' promotion from FA Women's Championship. A 12-match winning run earned promotion for Jonathan Morgan's side, and they have been spearheaded by some familiar names, with former Gunner Academy players Lashante Paul and Paige Bailey-Gale both frequently on the score sheet this season, and both still teenagers, suggesting Leicester could be an exciting addition to the WSL next season. One team is promoted from the championship, with one WSL team taking their place. It currently looks like a battle to survive between Aston Villa, Bristol City, West Ham and Birmingham. Aiming for a double hundred, Viviane Medema's record against Bristol City is truly outstanding, but her overall record suggests that every opposition has suffered at the hands of the Dutch hotshot. Now just one game away from her hundredth appearance for the Gunners, Viv has notched an astonishing 91 goals during that time, meaning she scores in every 1.08 matches for the team. 2020-2021 fixtures September the 6th, Reading 6-1 September the 12th, West Ham United 9-1 September 26th, Tottenham FA Cup quarter-final 4-0 October 1st, Man City FA Cup semi-final 1-2 October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1. October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4. October 11th, Brighton and Hove Albion, 5-0. October 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, 6-1. November 4th, London City Lionesses, CC, 4-0. November 8th, Manchester United, 0-1. November 15th, Chelsea, 1-1. November 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, CC, 2-2. Arsenal won on penalties. December 6th, Birmingham City, 3-0. December 13th, Manchester City, 1-2. December 20th, Everton, 4-0. January 17th, Reading, 1-1. February 7th, Manchester City, 1-2. February 10th, Chelsea, 0-3. February 28th, Aston Villa, 4-0. March 7th, Birmingham City, 4-0. March 19th, Manchester United, 2-0. March 27th, Tottenham Hotspur, 3-0. April 4th, Bristol City, 4-0. April 25th, Brighton and Hove Albion, home. May 2nd, Everton, away. May 9th, Aston Villa, home. To be arranged, West Ham United, home. Women's Super League. At April 6th, Chelsea played 19, won 16, drawn 2, lost 1, 460, against 8, goal difference 52, points 50. Manchester City played 19, won 15, drawn 3, lost 1, 458, against 11, goal difference 47, points 48. Arsenal played 18, won 12. Drawn 2, lost 4, 4, 57, 
against 14, goal difference 43, points 38. Manchester United played 19, won 12, drawn 2, lost 5, 4, 37, against 19, goal difference 18, points 38. Everton played 19, won 9, drawn 4, lost 6, 4, 38, against 26, goal difference 12, points 31. Brighton played 19, won 7, drawn 3, lost 9, 4, 16, against 35, goal difference minus 19, points 24. Reading played 19, won 4, drawn 8, lost 7, 4, 21, against 33, goal difference minus 12, points 20. Tottenham Hotspur played 19, won 4, drawn 5, lost 10, 4, 16, against 35, goal difference minus 19, points 17. Birmingham City played 18, won 3, drawn 4, lost 11, 4-13, against 37, goal difference minus 24, points 13. West Ham United played 17, won 3, drawn 3, lost 11, 4-21, against 36, goal difference minus 15, points 12. Bristol City played 19, one two drawn five lost twelve four fifteen against sixty six goal difference minus fifty one points eleven Aston Villa played seventeen one three drawn one lost thirteen four twelve against forty four goal difference minus thirty two points ten Teams. Teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Dani Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 11. Martin Odegaard. 12. William. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Eddie Nketiah 32. Emil Smith-Rowe 33. Matt Ryan, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Follerin Balogun 41. Ben Cottrell 66. Miguel Aziz For Slavia Prague, manager Jindrich Tupisovsky 2. David Hovorka. 3. Tomasz Holes. 4. Simon Deli. 5. Alexander Barr. 6. David Zima. 7. Nikolai Stanchiu. 9. Peter Olienka. 11. Stanislav Terkel. 12. Abdallah Sima.
13. Jan Steschkal, goalkeeper. 15. Andre Kudela. 16. Jan Kushta. 17. Lukas Provod. 18. Jan Boril. 19. Oscar Dawley. 23. Petra Sevchik. 25. Jakob Hurmada. 27. Ibrahim Treore. 28. Lukas Mashapust. 31. Premisul Kova, goalkeeper. 32. Andre Linger. 34. Mattia Wagner, goalkeeper. 40. Tomasz Rigo. Match officials. Referee Andreas Egberi, Sweden. Assistant referees Mehmet Callum, Stefan Halberry, both Sweden. Fourth official Matthias Grestranius, Finland. VAR Juan Martinez Manuera, Spain. Assistant VAR Guillermo Cuadro Hernandez, Spain. Tonight's other fixtures all 8 pm kickoff Ajax vs. Roma, Granada vs. Manchester United. Dynamo Zagreb versus Villarreal. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's time to step up your cyber protection. Get hashtag cyberfit with Acronis. Learn more. Acronis, official partner of Arsenal. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. 
fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates, Arsenal official partner. Sky Sports. Watch it live. Feel it all. Arsenal are home. New 2020 to 21 home kit. On sale in store and online. And on- 